We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com B-E. That's IXL.com B-E. E. Welcome to the Resilient Schools podcast. I am Jethro Jones, your host, and excited to have Lauren Jewett on the program today. Lauren is a proud product of a K-12 public education. She holds a BA in history and political science with a minor in American Sign Language from the University of Rochester and is currently pursuing an MA in English from the Middlebury College Bread Loaf School of English, where she's an involved member of the Bread Loaf Teacher Network. She's an avid runner and yoga enthusiast. Now, you got to tell us what the Bread Loaf Teacher Network is. I've never heard of that before. Um, yeah, the Bread Loaf Teacher Network is um, through the uh, Bread Loaf School of English, which is part of Middlebury College. Um, and it has been around, I don't remember how long it's been around. I mean, it's probably I got maybe 20 or 30 years, but it's um, comprised of a lot of um, teachers, many public school teachers, um, but anybody can join. Um, but it's of the um, teachers that attend that school, the graduate students. And so okay. we um, do different um, activities and projects with our students. Cool. Okay. Good to know. So Lauren has also uh, been a teacher for 14 years uh, and she is currently a special education teacher and case manager at Kip Memorial Primary in New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, she's national board certified teacher in the area of exceptional needs. And uh, today we're going to talk about some things around staff mindset and uh, how to work with kids and provide supports for kids with um, disabilities whether they've been identified or not. So, uh, Lauren, what 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 really stood out to you from our interview today that made you uh, think somebody should listen to it? Um, I think people should listen to um, this episode because I think right now um, a lot of our students and educators have experienced trauma, and it's very important to to think about our mindsets moving forward, um, especially while we're. Um, still navigating aspects of our pandemic. Yeah, very good. Well, um, I I think this was a great interview. And I think one of the other things that I 
really liked from it was you gave some good ideas about a challenging question, which is um, how do you talk to a teacher about maybe her environment is making it more challenging for the student and what some things are that you can look for to help make that more successful. So uh, I'm excited for this interview and uh, hope everybody else is too. And we'll get to that here in just a moment. Here we go. So Lauren, we're talking about staff mindset as it relates to trauma. And this is one of those things that if you know about trauma and you know what it does, then it's a lot easier to have a better mindset around it. But it's also really challenging if you don't know what it's all about to deal with it. So what what would you say is most important when it comes to the staff mindset around trauma? Um, so I always think about first, what can I control as a classroom teacher or an educator? Um, you know, what we can control is uh, creating environments in our schools and in our classrooms that really feel emotionally and physically safe for our students and for our fellow um, colleagues and staff. And, you know, we can control, you know, our language and we can control our comments and we often can control, you know, our actions. And I, I think that all starts with mindsets. Um, I think our mindsets can really help make sure that we're fostering a positive learning environment um, and a positive environment for teaching and, you know, mindset uh, around trauma, you know, and thinking about uh, that is, it's often, it's lifelong work. It's really reflective work. Um, it's metacognitive um, work. It's, it's really not a program. It's not curriculum. It's not a mandate. Um, you have to constantly be uh, reflecting on um, different interactions that you have with students and maybe with your colleagues. Um, so that's how I think about, you know, mindsets um, when it comes to trauma. Yeah. So what's something that you could say is like a, um, a, a mantra or a slogan or a thing to remind yourself of to keep yourself in a good mindset here? You know, I am a big uh, advocate for students, but I'm also a big advocate for teachers. And so I often um, try to make sure that uh, we're taking care of ourselves as adults, um, because if we're not, you know, well, then how can we really help promote the wellness for our students? So just making sure that um, we're taking care of um, ourselves as educators so that we can take care of the students. I appreciate that. I think that's so important. One of the other things that I would say is uh, that a mantra I think that that helps is uh, every day is a new day or you start fresh every day or something like that, because that really underscores the idea that even for you as the teacher or for the students, that it's a new day, that if I messed up yesterday or if you messed up yesterday, then we can start fresh again today. How does that kind of a mindset or a mantra uh, help a teacher who may be struggling with some very real issues in her classroom? Yeah. Um, well, I'm just thinking about a recent situation that I had um, experienced with a student. They had some, had a tough, a tough day and, um, you know, we worked through that. Um, and then, you know, literally the next day the student came back and was able to, um, you know, get back on track. And, and I think that, um, it helps that I kind of reflected on the situation and that there was some time and space away from, um, 
the the situation and and then we had a great day and so um knowing that um you know we we are humans and you know humans uh you know deal with stress and deal with trauma it's it's not something that we can definitely avoid i mean stress is always going to be there is how do we handle it like i said how do we what can we control um you know and what what kind of strategies can we use to um help regulate ourselves and so uh, I, you know, I think it's really important to just help reset. Like you said, um, every day is a new day reset. Um, and, and not just continue to like harp on the past. Obviously the past is important. Um, and it informs how we like deal with our everyday. Um, but know that like, we can always be doing better, um, through the interactions that we have. Um, and so, you know, I just try to make sure that I'm affirming, and validating um, the kids around me um, and that they know that um, there's going to be some, that I'm going to be consistent um, with, you know, if there's a situation that they're going to come back and that I'm still going to, um, you know, give them a smile, give them a high five, um, you know, help meet their needs. Because oftentimes we know with trauma, um, it, it stems from sometimes needs not being met. Um, and so how can we just, uh, reset, like you said, um, and make sure that we are meeting the needs versus just like thinking about the situation where the need, the needs were being unmet in that moment. Yeah. And you, as a special education teacher, um, see things differently than maybe some other people would see. So talk to us a little bit about what are some of the things that could be special education related that are showing up as trauma or could be trauma that are showing up as things that you might think the student needs to be referred to special ed? You know, I work with elementary age kids. Um, so they're still pretty, pretty young um, and haven't had a ton of years in school. Um, but what can often be, um, you know, just a trauma in itself is just um, feeling like, um, like there's a self-esteem issue around learning something that like, I can't do, like, I can't do the work or, I, I'm not able to do um, and catch on with the learning as fast as the peers. Um, so there, there comes to be a time, especially with the age range that I work with, which is eight, nine, 10 years old, upper elementary, where kids start to see kind of, they start to maybe other themselves a little bit because they notice um, that they're maybe not grasping the concepts as, um, as um, quickly, um, you know, there's this comparison factor, um, and, and especially as kids want to do, um, you know, impress their peers. Um, so I think that what I notice, um, at least maybe some specific trauma around just like the self-efficacy around learning, um, and how do you view yourself as a um, as a learner and, and uh, an individual in a building that's centered on education and learning. Um, so I think that that um, can sometimes be something that a kid can possibly internalize, um, about themselves. Um, and so I noticed that a lot. I noticed that with students that, um, either aren't identified or students that I, um, have worked with over the years that, um, it's really important to build up that, um, the self-esteem, build up the self-efficacy as a learner. Um, we work a lot and, um, you know, with the students on, how can they affirm themselves um, and say positive things about themselves? Um, I often do a little exercise with students prior to IEP meetings 
And one of the questions that I ask students is what their strengths are, uh, what they're good at, and how they would describe themselves. Um, just asking them to, to um, give some adjectives that would describe themselves. And that is often a question that sometimes stumps a lot of kids. Um, they're not, um, you know, you know, practicing that enough to like, no, I mean, um, what they're really strong at. Um, and so that's something that like, um, as educators, I, um, I, I try to emphasize is that um, students know that, yes, there might be things that they um, are having trouble with, either academically or um, emotionally or behaviorally. Um, but it seems like a lot of times it's like this focus on like what they can't do um, versus like all the great things and assets that they bring to the classroom um, and bring to the school setting. So um, working with kids to help them know that, hey, we're all working on stuff. And I help to try to like tell them that too. Like I'm an adult but I'm still working on some of these like um, things that I have trouble with. Um, but these are all the things that I'm really good at. Um, and so trying to kind of help them see that um, we're all kind of works in progress um, and that none of us is perfect. Um, Cause I think that there's this like um, sometimes emphasis on like everything has to be perfect. Um, we have to be perfect and kind of trying to get away from that and just focus on holistically. Um, what am I strong at? Um, and what things can I still, you know, improve on? Yeah. So when we go back to the idea of a staff mindset, um, how do you help the staff see students as their strengths first and not their deficits first? Yeah. Um, this is something I feel like often comes up, especially in my role as a, as a special ed teacher, um, you know, is when we um, work with students that do have disabilities, um, you know, the the kids, um, you know, sometimes I think with conversations, it can be like a um, this idea of like labeling a kid um, or like kind of going in a um, like this medical, like pathological kind of like model of like um, the designation, the diagnosis, like, um, and um, we know that kids can have, um, you know, needs and all kids have needs. Um, they don't need that diagnosis to have the help um, that's necessary. Um, obviously, we know kids that have IEPs and, and uh, legal documentation, like they definitely have those rights. But like, you know, kind of reframing this idea of like, um, you have to have, um, you know, the diagnosis or the designation just to like, have the support need. So I try to kind of like help staff members think about it that way. Um, and also that even those, even when we get like a diagnosis or like maybe a descriptor on what a kid is, um, you know, qualifying under for an exceptionality or disability, like that doesn't really tell us all the time about like what kind of skills that we need to help address with the student. Um, I, have looked at the work of Ross Green and he talks a lot about lagging skills and like, you know, it, we talk about what kind of skills can we focus on versus like, okay, you know, the giving the designation isn't necessarily gonna, you know, tell us everything, you know, we need to like really know what the needs of the that specific kid is. Um, and just be, yeah, like I said, being aware of that difference um, between just like defining um, 
and diagnosing a kid um, versus like, what can we observe about that student? Um, there's more of a, um, you know, that's sometimes it's like, it, it, there's a little discomfort there because it's a little bit more ambiguous, but like, we're looking at like that specific kid because every kid is different. Every brain is different. Um, and I try to often tell staff members um, and, and collaborate with them to understand like, well, how is the environment in your classroom or how is the curriculum or the materials that we're using, um, how is that more disabling than like that? Like what, what's wrong with that versus like looking at the student um, as something to be fixed and that like the student is something, something's wrong with the student, right? We, we need to make sure we're like thinking about what can we shift and like adapt to help the student, which can be the environment, which can be the um, curriculum and the tools that we provide the student. Like the student doesn't, like the student doesn't have to be fixed. They're fine. Like we just, we're trying to provide different um, things to help them access and, and grow. Can you give an example of uh, of what a disabling environment would look like or how you would talk to a teacher about that? Because that seems like, uh, let me just put this out there. It seems like, so you're saying that they're not doing well in my class and it's all my fault? Well, they have a disability. I can hear that coming back from the teacher and that's not what you're saying, but can you talk about what that could look like? Um, and I and I have worked with teachers, mentored or coached them, and I'm in the te- I'm a teacher myself. Um, and of course, there's so many things that teachers have to do all day, every day, um, more so than most people know. Um, so I think you know, definitely coming at it from a place of like understanding, um, listening, like to understand um, what you know what their set what you know what the teacher setup of the classroom is. Why did they make certain choices? Um, are those choices reflective of the students' needs? So yeah, an example, I mean, could could basically be, um, you know, how are materials, um, you know, situated in the classroom so that, you know, they're, are they labeled? Are there, um, are there anchor charts or things that help guide a student? Um, I'm thinking definitely at the beginning of the school year too, to like, help know, um, you know, certain routines. Are those, are the um, materials in the classroom um, easy to find and navigate? And are there not just words there? Are there visuals there um, for students that may not, um, you know, that may still be learning um, literacy and print skills? Um, And then are those, um, are those materials in the classroom or those um, posters in the classroom, are they accessible linguistically for many of our students? So just thinking about like things like little, little switches like that, that can go a long way. Um, And yes, that takes time. um, But it also is like showing a student like, hey, this, this teacher took time to think through those things um, to help me feel um, safe in the classroom to help me be successful. Um, and then also just like, um, you know, how the, the classroom is designed, um, you know, in terms of seating, um, are there different aspects of seating? Um, you know, if that's available, um, I know not every, um, school has, um, you know, lots of flexible seating, but I know teachers write a lot of, um, 
uh, grants or they, they they try to like um, be resourceful to get those things for what for what students might need to feel um, you know that they can um, you know like again feel comfortable in that classroom. Yeah, I think those are all really good examples. Um, I I appreciate you being part of this podcast. Thanks so much for being here, Lauren. Um, if people want to learn more about you, where can they go? Um, I am on uh, Twitter at uh, doitjuit87. Um, and I am also on um, Instagram at the same handle. Um, and those are the, um, the places where people can um, interact with me. Um, and um, I definitely welcome um, conversation. Um, education is my passion and I've been doing this for, um, for over uh, 13 years. Hey, maybe the most unique, uh, awesome Twitter handle we've had, do it, do it with two T's at the end of Jewett. Uh, thanks so much. Do it, do it 87 with two T's at the end of <laughs> Jewett. Thanks so much, Lauren, for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com slash BE.